Bueller, 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 Bueller. Wake up! Good morning! Terry Wilson, he's going to throw. Conrad! Touchdown, Kentucky! Touchdown, Kentucky! <laughs> Victory, Kentucky! Like, give your fans what they want, you dinguses. She probably smokes marijuana. Bad, bad girl. They Rubbish! There's buggers over here. <laughs> Back outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison beyond belief. We did it. We beat those British We bastards. beat the British. Suck it, Cornwallis. Ten kids. You're basically pregnant for 20 years. Pregnant or breastfeeding. Just wild. Like, that sounds exhausting. Potheads. What an adorable... What an adorable bunch of people. Woodson from the gun. Play fake. Step it up. He's throwing deep down the near sideline. He's got Johnson. 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Kentucky. Jesus, Rash, get it together. It's game day. Come on. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Hump Day edition, June 28th, 2023. This is Kentucky Roll Call. Oh, Big X Sports Radio. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker and joining me is Nick Roush and Justin Kalen, the best producer in all of Radio Land. Justin Kalen, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm a little tired. I, I, for whatever reason, didn't go to bed till after 10 last night. was... Hanging around trying to watch the Reds game, see if it would come out of the weather delay before I crawled into bed, but that was not the case, so I just stayed around, stayed up till about 10, just waiting for it to get back to play. That never happened, but they ended up winning, so I'm good. Reds uh, broke the curse of Scott Satterfield. Oh, thank goodness. Thank I thought goodness. that was never going to end. Same. I was legitimately worried the Reds might never win a baseball game ever again. Scott Which- Satterfield. Throughout the first pitch on Saturday, the Reds' 12-game win streak came to an end, turned into a little bit of a losing streak, mm-hmm. but that uh, not a big one. That's the good news. Not a big one. Uh, they won. They won in Baltimore last night, three to one. So, congrats to the Reds. Roush, how are you? I'm. I'm doing well. Uh, just uh, I, I did do the thing where I thought today was Thursday, so that that's a little unfortunate. But um, I, I'm. What can I say? I'm excited for a, a long holiday weekend. Even though it's it's kind of weird how things are falling, but I'm just um, I'm I'm working for the weekend. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. New new car today. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. I've um, I've purchased I think one car from a dealer before. And it was, you know, slightly used. Then this is this is the first time I'm buying a new new car, and I'm part of me is a little nervous about it, but part of me is also just excited to smell the smell of the car. Joining the minivan gang, a car dealership, not a not a, a car dealer. Gotcha. <laughs> Wait, what? He was going another route with that. Yeah, glad, uh, you, glad you got it, Scooch. Yeah, the new car smell should be nice. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it, it's one of those things where I'm excited, but I'm also just like the whole um, 
it's not the process that's a pain in the butt, but also I realize now, like, oh gosh, now you got to get your wife's car ready and you got to sell that because, come on, I'm, I am a little too cheap to to just trade it in, oh, willy-billy. So getting that ready, it's just, you know, there's just a lot going on, a lot to do. Um, but it will, be, it will be nice, though, just to have all the extra space, nice backup camera. Uh, it's... It's not that I need a backup camera, but it's just it's just so convenient, especially in my tiny little alleyway to back up into my garage. It just it just works better. So um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. I just you know, there's just stuff to do to to make sure it all goes uh, smoothly. Backup cameras, game changers. My wife does not have a backup camera, and it annoys me to no end that when she drives my car, she just doesn't look at the backup camera. And it's like, look, look, look at it. Like, it's going to make it just, just look at it, do it, use it. Makes it so much easier. She's like, I'm not used to it. I don't really know how to do it. And my dad, who does have backup camera and has had backup cameras for years, he also does not use it. Just old dog, new trick situation there, I guess. Put me on team Terry and Hannah because I don't use it either. And I have one in my car. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's nonsensical. Like you gotta use, like you, you could have somebody puckering up and I could go in slow and smooth enough just to have my rear view camera, uh, give them a little smooch on the lips without doing anybody any harm. It, it's totally a game changer in terms of backing up parallel parking, anything that involves the back of your car. And there's cars actually now that have like front and side cameras too. Have, so, have you ever driven one of those that has the little, um, it basically like gives you a aerial view. You, you get yeah. it's Skycam. I have driven them before. I don't own one that has that, but yes, I'm familiar with it. It's awesome. I would never have one of those. Roush would be like, I'm not looking at it. I don't need to see. I don't want to see it. Not using it. it I don't it understand was, that. We were test driving a vehicle, and uh, Brooke was driving, and she was just like, "Huh? Ah, what, what is this?" <laughs> like, it, like it threw. She was so fascinated by just how it works that she, it was the worst parking job ever. She was just too enamored by <laughs> by the crazy sky cam. I, I do look forward to getting old just to be like bewildered and shocked and amazed at new technology. Like I, I look forward to that where somebody's <laughs> like, well, Grandpa, all you have to do is just push this button and it does it for you. And I'm going to be like, what? Wow. How did they think of that? <laughs> I mean, I'm almost there. That like the, I mean, we do have self-driving cars. You, you do wonder if just that will be our thing when we're older is just you just get in a car you put in the address and then you sit back and don't worry about anything i don't know i don't know what's next but it, it or what's next over the next 30 or 40 years but if there's ever a radio show a day of the week to do it to think about it to hypothesize about it it'd be a wacky wednesday edition of kentucky roll call along those same lines scoots you had a strong, you texted me said you had a strong take about pat, pat sajak's replacement nope nope that was a another scoots you must have in your phone wasn't me you don't know you said that you were gonna have you just needed five to 15 minutes on today's show to talk about while ryan seacrest will be a disaster to replace pat sajak i want to give you the floor here i i do hate it low-key though i i think i heard it maybe on the rutherford show yesterday i think he may have brought it up but yeah I don't know. Talk about a personality difference. Pat Sajak and Ryan Seacrest are two completely different people. How how so, Scoots? Please well, elaborate. You, so you got Pat Sajak, and he's like he's like the calm voice, 
Vanna, is there an E? Like, it, you know, he's just, he's a calm presence. He's an old guy. But then you're going to bring in Ryan Seacrest, who's this young fella, and he's got all the energy in the world. And I just don't feel like Wheel of Fortune is the highest of energy games needed from the from the host, you know? First and foremost, Scoots, um, uh, uh, how old do you think Ron Seacrest is? He's, young I, guy? I was thinking about that when I said it. He's a lot older than I think he is. Probably mid-40s, maybe even older than that. Yeah, yeah, he's almost 50, 48 years old. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I think you're, the, the problem isn't that they're so different. I mean, of course, whoever's going to get whoever's going to replace Pat Sajak going to be younger. I think it's the worst pick because they're just the most boring people ever. Like uh, Pat Sajak, very boring human. That's why his talk show failed miserably. He has no personality. Same thing with Ryan Seacrest, zero personality. He's just like a robot that was built to host him. And Mike Greenberg is the sports version of Mike Se- or of Ryan Seacrest. Like just what are the most boring vanilla people that nobody's going to like get mad about. And, and I just, I, that that's the part that frustrates me is it's like i i probably wasn't going to watch wheel of fortune either way tj uh no matter who the host is but ryan seacrest he hosts everything like let somebody else try he's just he's boring i was joking about having serious takes on this but look where we're at <laughs> look where we're at hey d- hey there, there's not a lot of things that have serious takes about today not, hey, not a lot going on that being said roush that's kind of where i defaulted to is like is Ryan Seacrest just going to be doing everything here? Is it like in? Are we going to hear about him also being the Jeopardy full time replacement? He's going to host presidential debates. Like, um, what, is he just taking over every microphone all over the place? I, I don't. I don't care who's replacing Jeopardy. I. But I. I don't know. I guess Ryan Seacrest will do a good job. It, it's not a lot of work. I'm honestly shocked that Pat Sajak's given it up. He is 76 years old, but it's pretty minimum work. You're only recording like a month, maybe two months out of the entire year when it comes down to it. And all you're doing is just saying letters. You're not even the one that has to go move the letters. So pretty easy gig. A little surprised that he was giving it up. Not thrilled with the replacement and Ryan Seacrest. Wheel of Fortune does not get played every night in my house, but maybe once a week or twice a week. It'll just be on in the background. I'm pretty dominant at it. I imagine someday I could win some serious dough on Wheel of Fortune. And I guess if I do that, I'll be talking with Ryan Seacrest, which not as enjoyable. Roush, I liked your idea, though. Maybe this was an opportunity for them to put a little bit more zest and pop into Wheel of, Wheel of Fortune. Because it is a pretty mundane, slow. The only real excitement is if they get the final puzzle. Uh, you'll get some clapping during the show, but it's, you know low-key right, well, right the only time you ever see any emotion is if they fi- if they get the final spin they get it right everybody kind of goes crazy there on stage maybe this was an opportunity for them to kind of pivot will ryan seacrest be able to bring the energy i just wanted somebody that would make fun of people for really dumb answers yeah i think that's what it needed yeah yeah um, like a little yeah. public shaming let them be in their own head next time they spin that that's why Family Feud had a renaissance with Steve Harvey because of just his reactions to people's answers. We, yeah, you know. So I, I don't know who, like, if you had Dave Chappelle making fun of the, <laughs> the people getting wrong answers on Jeopardy. I mean, man, that would just be glorious. Uh, 
who else would be a good uh, Nate Bargatze is really dry. I think just any sort of comedian, uh, man, that that that's where the money is. Not just boring guy that smiles. Like the puzzle isn't fully completed, but it's pretty obvious what it says. And yeah. the person's like, I'm going to spin. You need a host that's going to be like, are you sure about that? You're really going to spin here? Get Tim you, Robbins. Are, are you sure are you about just, that? Yeah. <laughs> are you just being greedy and you want more dough? Or do you really not know? Because you don't know. If you don't know, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think I want to spin for more dough. Okay, you go ahead. But good then luck. you get in the head. You really mess with their, the, uh-huh. those people. Then they great. get a bankrupt and you're just like, idiot. You idiot. We told you not to do it. <laughs> all right. Let's head on over to Clarence. Clarence, go ahead. It's just all point and laugh. Exactly. I think that'd be Scooch. You like that? I love it. I, I would be so in for that. You get a lot more viewers. It's I like think, the but... uh, it's like the uh, Dick's Last Resort thing, the restaurant where they're just mean to you all the time just because they can be. I would love. I've I've always wanted to work at a hotel like that. Me and my best buddy have discussed that for years. Just having a hotel where we could just be jerks like people are to us. But yeah, I'm I'm in for a game show that operates that way as well. Well, we already know that you can take down six to 12 beers during your work. So, I mean, just <laughs> see if you can just get away with being rude to people. <laughs> uh, I mean, if they ever complain, be like, well, that's our that's our gimmick here. That's our gimmick here at the Hilton Sheraton. Uh, we just Close. are rude to everybody. That, that'd be I awesome. Just, I'd love nothing more. He doesn't work at the Hilton Sheraton. I just made I, it. I do it. not, no. Made, I, I think I combined two hotels. You did. I think you did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two different companies. Uh, they were were they ta- they were talking about hotels yesterday on the Rutherford Shore, weren't, weren't they? Probably because Trevor is staying in one right down the street here from the station. Did he still? not go back to his house last night? He did, uh, but he still did not have power, so he came right wow. back over here. Yeah, It's been four days? Two days. Or Monday and Monday and Tuesday. Of time not to have power. Yeah, maybe uh, I would call LG and E. Think he's done that? Mm, not sure. <laughs> he also said that the first night he got to the hotel at one a.m. and then that they were like calling at eleven a.m. to get him out. Yeah, that's departure time. That's normal. Yeah, that's kind of like he obviously got in late. I, I bet if it was an attractive. Yeah, just an attractive woman. They weren't wouldn't be calling at eleven. Absolutely, they would be. Yeah. See, that's the, so. this is on this so. is on Trevor. This is this is not on the hotel at all. We they if I see that somebody checked in at one a.m., it doesn't matter. Checkout time is still eleven. And if I don't have any notes that say that they're a late checkout, then yeah, hell yeah, I'm knocking on the door at eleven. So when he checked in, he should have told him, "Hey, it's a little late. I don't really wake up till like two p.m. Anyway, I can get a late checkout." And they've probably been like, yeah, no problem. We've got like seven people staying here. I don't know. I it's on Trevor. Tr- Trevor Shroud. I mean, yes, of course, he probably should have asked for a late checkout. But I imagine they probably saw Trevor Shraggling and maybe even had a cigarette in his hand. <laughs> in and his mouth. he was like, I need a room. They probably were like, well, it's kind of weird. It's kind of late. And they probably thought maybe he was up to no good in his hotel room. So they were maybe eager to see what they were working with in the morning. Because it's not like they needed that room for anybody else. True. No, I, I drive by that hotel every day. There is never anybody there. And and kudos to Trevor for staying there because it's not a place I would stay. Wow. Too good <laughs> Too good for old scoots. Correct. I think, Tre- I think Trevor just literally wanted air conditioning. Yeah, probably so. Place to play his PlayStation. He's got his PlayStation 5 here in studio. Might fire it up here in a minute. 
Oh. <laughs> Man, uh, TJ, can you remember the last video game you played? No, Trevor gave me his old PS3. Uh, this has now been like five years. Uh, I played FIFA on that. Um, I had a, a friend group where different friends where we one friend I'd go to their house, we'd play NBA 2K on Xbox just as like, hey, the girls are getting ready or, you know, we'll have a few beers, have the game on one TV and then play a video game on another. Another friend group, we'd do that, but we'd do it with FIFA. But even those have been years since we've done done that. So it's been a long time. I can remember, like, you know, I've probably picked up a Nintendo 64 controller more recently. Like, uh, my wife has one of those. And so we'll, uh, you know, every once in a while, uh, the, the time calls for it. And we'll, we'll play like Mario Party or, you know, Mario Kart, something like that. But I can't, like a new video game. I don't even know. I, I, it would have had to have been like a FIFA or something back in college. I, I don't, I don't know what it, yeah. I don't know. By the way, know. TJ, with with Trevor upgrading to the PS5, you can hit him up for his PS4 now. You can do a little upgrade yourself. You may have to may have to do that. I, I tell myself when the new college football video game comes out, I'm gonna get a system, get the game, get back into it a little bit. We'll see if that actually happens. Just because when I do have free time, I'm just so out of the video game norm. It's not the it's not what really captures me. It's not really what I, I want to do. But when college football video game comes out, I think that'll be fun. Yeah, it still is going to be just... Um, I didn't like the later college football video games. The gameplay wasn't very good. Like It it, it wasn't as um, smooth or as fast as some of the earlier ones. Like It just felt very clunky in the later years. Like That's why, I mean, I quit playing Madden. Same with Madden. Yeah, exactly. Same Early with on. Madden. It, gets, it got very just rigid, and I didn't like it. So I have a feeling, even if... You know, I know somebody that gets it. I'll pick up the sticks and I'll be like, well, this kind of sucks. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I Again, there's people that play a lot more than we do and they could probably have a more accurate or correct take on this. But I agree. I also, it, to me, it was more of just like, it was getting to be a little too realistic with all the buttons or movements you had to do. Like the slide, and I think that goes along with what you're saying of it being too clunky. But like yeah. just the slightest little like twitch of the joystick made your person like dip their elbow or dip their shoulder to the left. And you're like, no, just run straight. Why does he keep like, you know, having a little hitch to him or whatever? Uh, that was get that would get annoying. So I agree with you. But then again, maybe they fixed some of that stuff. I, I wouldn't be the one to say it's been so long, but I'll get back into it someday. I think. But Trevor doesn't yeah. have his his PlayStation with him at the hotel. Uh oh. Oh man! Yep, left it here. Actually, you think you think I should hide it somewhere? Freak him out? No, he's he's he, going through enough. Right he now. he would text me later and be like, "Did you see my PlayStation this morning?" No, nah, Trevor is gone. I don't know what happened to it. I do like that he just leaves his mom high and dry in <laughs> in the house. Like, mom, just text me when the AC's back on. I'll come back. Uh, no invite to mother to come join him at the hotel. But hey, maybe he's living like a bachelor lifestyle there. Gets away from mom, can let his hair down, stay up late. I can tell you right now, there are a stack, a fat stack of Arby's coupons behind me. So I, I can guarantee he's eating well. Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, another question. The last time you ate Arby's. 
last week. Thanks to Trevor. He inspired me. Uh, we we got uh, frozen fries that are Arby's Arby's like frozen fries. Put them in the, the air house. fryer. Yeah. Uh, we I've only tried them once. They were good. They they yeah. you know they they kind of tasted like the real thing, pretty close to it. So uh, if you want to count that, that would that would be that would that would be probably the last time I've had Arby's. Yeah, but like actually going to one, uh, who that's been a. I, I'm sure. Ooh, yeah, another great question. Because here's the thing: every time you go to an Arby's, it the difference in what you see on the picture versus what you actually get delivered to you is the starkest by any fast food establishment. Like it just, I, it always ends in disappointment. I, 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 there's, there's no way around it. Well, we're never having Arby's as a sponsor. No kidding. I'll change my mind. <laughs> Who was it? John Stewart or John Oliver, or one of those guys that would just insult Arby's until they finally sponsored him. I did. I'm not familiar. <laughs> I think it was John Oliver. Like he just kept making fun of Arby's. <laughs> and ended up, they ended up being, becoming fans because free publicity turned into paid publicity. I feel bad that Arby's and St. Matthews. It opened up. It was like a brand new, fresh looking building. Uh, and people went to it a lot more than they went to the one which was a little further down Shelbyville Road. I think maybe at the corner of Shelbyville and Hubbard's. But that one had the like the original old big cowboy hat sign. Oh, yeah. We've got one of those by us on 3rd Street. Those signs are awesome. But it was kind of a funky in and out. And for whatever reason, it just it wasn't as crowded. It wasn't really a good setup. So they built a brand new building and right across from St. Matthew's Mall. It was very popular. And then probably about a year, two years later, they built that Chick-fil-A right next to it. And now that Arby's for since 2009 has just been basically a ghost town. I don't know how it's still open. Not yeah. sure how it still exists. Uh, I, I go to that Chick-fil-A somewhat frequently. And I also just drive down Shelbyville Road somewhat frequently, even when not going to a Chick-fil-A. It is rare to see more than one car just on the premises there, let alone in the drive-thru. It's, uh, but they, they they keep trucking along, Roush. Oh, good for them. You gotta you gotta try to keep trucking, but it's, it's probably not gonna last. I um, I you you mentioned the new builds, and I've noticed something very concerning in American architecture, um, when it comes to fast food restaurants, and that's everything looks the same. And it's, it's, I, I have this rant when we get to like Super Bowl logos and stuff like that. But the modern contemporary design is so damn boring. Like every, um, they built a new Wendy's by the office in Lexington. And it's just this block building with high ceilings and a lot of glass around it. And it's a very, we got to have a sleek inside design when it's just like kind of a gray metallic color. Um, gone or long gone are the days of that little sunroom that bubbled out right same thing with um uh the uh, new uh taco bells right like instead of having a little bit of character to it it's just let's build these square buildings with high ceilings that have uh glass in the front and look sleek on the inside with but you know what taco bells i'm gonna throw a shade of purple in all of these new designs, uh, I mentioned Wendy's and Taco Bell, but th- it's the same thing with McDonald's, how they're trying to revolutionize stuff. It's just so damn boring. Like, we're entering a decade of boring design, and I just, where's the creativity, huh? Why do we all got to look the same? Stand out, somebody. 
take a stand, be proud of who you is, and do something different. Because I just, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it, it's we're in our 1970s construction era where everything there was just boring and bland and didn't age well at all. I think their emphasis is this this stuff will look good in 10 years. It won't stand out. But yeah. you never know. And you're right. that Probably the trend's going to be is be like, we need big, loud, colorful. And it's going to end up going back to like how it was in the mid and early 90s, which I'd be yeah, totally like all right the 80s. with. Yeah, you very tell just, me yeah. that there's a Taco Bell that just looks like its interior is like 1998, 1999. But it's clean, you know, not dirty. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I'm going like I'm going in. I'm going inside that one. I'm probably going inside of it. Probably taking pictures. Probably posting it. Uh, ideally, if you have this setup, you know, you maybe maybe you're open up late. You can get some of the late night crowd in there as well. Uh, you probably make a killing more than just your boring old bland Taco Bell. Scoots, what do you think of that? I'm in. Yeah. Anything to do I, with I, anything to do with Taco Bell, I'm in. The um, the ones that uh, look like uh, the, the original Taco Bell looks like the Alamo. You know, they don't need to be that ornate, but just anything with a little bit of something to it. Just try to trying to be different. I just hate when everybody's wants to look the same. Because you're right, TJ. That's all they're going for. They want something that ages well. That you know. 15 years from now doesn't look like it was built in 2022. I think they're probably going for familiarity, though, right? I mean, you want a building that you recognize and that people recognize. But that's the problem, though. I I think you should want to stand out. It should be the opposite. You shouldn't want to blend in. You would think. Maybe. You would think. I mean, they want to have it your way at BK. Why don't you build a building your way? Do something fun. (laughs) BK needs their buildings to be literal crowns. Exactly. How else could they? Are they going to compete with Old McDonald's Golden Arches? They're My son, of, he knows he knows what Old McDonald's are because he sees the Golden Arches. They're thinking about for Salsarita's third location, making the building in the shape of a taco. Like you walk inside the taco. Come on, that's something that would be in Hey Arnold. You know, they're going to go to the taco stand and it's shaped like a taco. That that's a great idea, Salsarita's. I've got just the location for you in the South End, and you will have me drinking that blue Powerade every day because as we all know they have the best blue Powerade in the world it comes from mr blue Powerade's house uh also just the flowing rivers of queso the swamps of guacamole they've got it all there it's the best check them out today seriously salsa readers if you want to get a third location i can help you find one down here it'd be great need it all the time plenty of open spaces at the colonial gardens seriously so sad Right, you know what? They're hitting their stride. But hey, if Salsaritas would kill it there, it'll kill it anywhere because it's the best Mexican in town. You know what? What? Um, I mean, like, I feel like the actual main building and the other one are doing great business now because it's the busy time of the year. And yet the other ones just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I need to figure yeah. it out. Figure it out. Well, NCAA thinks it's figured out its stance on nil. It came down hard yesterday with um, a Q&A section, uh, frequently asked questions sort of deal. And in it was some really interesting stuff. So we do need to actually get put on our real sports hats, come back, talk about what the NCAA says regarding nil, how it could impact UK and other schools in the SEC, looking at you, Texas A&M, 
We'll come back. We'll talk about all of it. Get your text into the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. This is Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio. Okay. First I lived to the side like my leg was broken. Shaking and twitching, kind of like I was smoking. Crazy, whack, funky. People say you look like MC Hammer on crack, Humpty. That's all right, because my body's in motion. It's supposed to look like a fit or a convulsion. Anyone can play this game. This is my dance, y'all. Humpty Hump's my name. No two people will do it the same. You got it down when you appear to be in pain. Humping, funking, jumping, dig around, shaking your rump and when it's... Welcome back to Kentucky Roll Call. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? <laughs> With Walker and Rob. It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. <laughs> Best way to get your Wednesday off to a great start is to stop in a store. Get it at 89 cents in your car. Take it, use it. You're going to get 32 ounces at a Thornton's. You're going to save five cents every time that a refreshing rewards member punches in their number and gets gasoline. That helps. That's per gallon. We love Thornton's. Great breakfast options. They've got brisket as well. Good, delicious brisket. If it's good enough for Scoots, it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me, it's good enough for everybody. It's Thornton's, and they're on pretty much every other block in Louisville. That's how popular Thornton's is. We want to hear from you on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Text it on in. We'll read it before we get to the Thornton's text line. Roush, did you see what the NCAA had to say yesterday? Listen to me. Listen to me. Was that Jump My Digger Phelps? Was that pretty good? It was pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's basically what they did. Hey, you guys, whatever you're doing, you need to listen to us, not what your state legislators are saying. Listen to our rules that we actually are going to Congress to ask for more rules because we know our rules don't work. Yeah, I this is it was an interesting move from the NCAA yesterday. It's them to a certain degree putting their foot down. And Roush, I agree with the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, so essentially they're asking for uniformity because there are so many varying laws from state to state. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that like, this has happened, this is probably the third or fourth different time we've seen them send out a memo to member institutions about name, image, and likeness rules. And every time, it's just like a memo. And I, I've never worked in a big office, workplace that sends out memos. But uh, one can... Do you, do you have to listen to them? Do you have to do anything about them? Like, this is just the bosses trying to act like they're in charge when nobody's really listening or paying any attention to them. And I think the same thing is going to apply here. This is just another memo that doesn't mean anything because the NCAA doesn't actually have governing authority when it comes to this. They don't have the resources and the teeth to enforce their rules when it comes to name, image, and likeness. That's where this gets interesting. is because basically... 
and this is where I agree with the NCAA. I don't necessarily agree with like their stance on nil and and athletic foundations. And it's not that I it's not that I disagree. It's just I, I could see both sides to like how the rules moving forward should be laid out. But I do agree with the NCAA basically saying like, hey, this is our club. You're a member of our club. Club members make the rules for the club. But now you all want to tell us that you all can just break the rules because you can? Like, this is our club. You have agreed to these rules. You need to mm-hmm. play by these rules. Yeah. And you're just not going to? And teams, obviously, Texas A&M and others, are like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to because you have your club rules, but we have our state laws. So we're taking our state laws and we're going to bring it on into the club. And the NCAA is saying, as club leader, no, no, like, again, you all, the members of this club, made up these rules, and now it's not fair to those that are actually following these rules that you all are allowed just to come in here to the club with your state laws. And I agree with the NCAA. Like, at some point, you need to say, you can't just do whatever you want. College sports, while it's inching ever closer to the wiki-wiki wild, wild west, it's not there yet. We need to have some rules here, Donnie. It's not Nam. And we get it that like we don't have much of a backbone. And Roush, you're right that we don't have many teeth here. We're sharp teeth. But for goodness, Pete, let's reel this in for a second. And y'all need to listen to these things that we're saying regarding nil. And that was really the extent of it. They don't they don't want team, they don't want schools to say, if you donate to nil, if you donate to this collective you will give you better seats. If you donate to this collective, you'll get better ticket selection when we go to a bowl game. They don't want it mixed in with the school. They want it to be what they initially thought it was. Hey, I am a player. I am marketable for a company outside of the university. If that company wants to approach me with a business deal, we no longer need to have this umbrella of amateurism where I have to let money pass us by. They want it to just go back to its roots of, so-and-so business wants me. I'm going to sign with them. They're going to pay me for my name, image, and likeness, and I can now profit off this stuff. Somebody wants to sell my jersey. I can get money off of it. If somebody wants to pay me X amount of dollars for an autograph, I can, I can make money off that stuff now. They don't want it to be tied into the universities where the university is encouraging its fans to not donate to athletic funds and this or that or the other, but instead – directly to the players' pockets. Now, that probably needs to be churched up, and they need to find out a way, because that's probably going to be happening. Uh, That sort of recruiting nil programs that they already exist, and it's probably going to be pretty hard to get them to go away. Even if you do get them to go away, you could do some underground stuff, I'm sure, that could be just as beneficial. NCAA doesn't want that stuff. I can sympathize with the NCAA that at some point it's like, well, then if you all are just going to do what you want in this regard, then why why even exist? And you're going to have a lot of people say, yeah, why even have the NCAA exist? Woo, get them out of here. I don't think people are going to like the alternative when that happens for what it's worth. Just so you know. The, the ultimate premise of this being – you make the rules. You are you comprise of the institution. So why are you lobbying for different rules? Um, and it is. I I, I don't have a good. Um, 
kind of allegory or comparison or anything because it is kind of like being a part of a neighborhood association that makes the rules but then lobbying your city councilman to change the zoning rules for your neighborhood or something like that like it's very it's very strange how schools are going about this because you could just have your presidents of universities come together to to make rule changes instead they're just going straight to state politicians uh, and they're making the rules and maybe it's just because it's easier that way for them and they see an inherent competitive advantage um, there, it, there it is that's what it is yeah well and i also think too like forming a coalition with your programs in your state to get legislators you know like i mean in the state of texas there's more schools but like Trying to get everybody on your state on the same page is probably a lot easier than trying to get everybody in Division One to make decisions, right? Because the NCAA is such a big organization. So, and, and therein lies the biggest problem that's facing the NCAA that we've talked about for years before all this stuff came out. It's just that it's an enormous governing body that is in charge of Texas and also um, Asbury. And I, I don't know if to Asbury's technically the NCAA, but my overall point, like center, center, yeah, Bellarmine, like all the, like they're not the same institutions, but yet the NCAA has to yeah. make rules for both of them. And that, that just like that, uh, that reality is just what's ultimately going to doom this is it's just, it, they've got their hands full and covering, giving the same rules to places that are wildly different is just uh, seemingly impossible. It, 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 it seems like it is more and more impossible. And when they open the Pandora's box of transferring and nil and doing that stuff. And I, and for what it's worth, it wasn't that I was totally against nil and instant transferring. You know, if you go back to me doing radio 10 years ago, back in 2013, I was probably having similar conversations of, well, it's, it's, the NCAA's rules, if people agree to them, you got to follow them. And people were just so persistent about the nil and so persistent about transferring that eventually they got the NCAA to change the rules on that stuff. Uh, while kind of the transfer, not so much, but it became so ridiculous with some of their waiver policies that it was it was appropriate just to go ahead and, and do something different with it instead of just saying, we will judge each and every scenario whether we deem it appropriate for a transfer or not. And then like nine out of 10, they were like, yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, that's appropriate. But then the one out of 10, it was like, okay, well, that is there any bias involved here? You just Why are you the judge and the jury on all this stuff? But they eventually bullied the NCAA into changing their own rules, which if there's a democratic process to that sort of stuff, I'm cool with it. Um, I feel like I accurately kind of predicted how it was all going to play out in terms of the rich getting richer to some degree. Um, that being said, college basketball has kind of been a different story with that stuff. It seems like there's maybe even more parity uh, than than necessarily the rich getting richer, but that's a conversation for a different day. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's just a, it's a different it's the same conversation, just different variables than what we were having. The NCAA has the rules. Who are these schools that agree to these rules to tell them we're not following your rules? And the only thing. Here, so here's where it, it's gonna. Here's a couple of different options of what can happen. Texas A&M can say, and other schools like Texas A&M can say, we don't care. We have state Which, laws. 
That's what they said. That's exactly what Ross Bjork said. They've already followed up and did say that. It's like, we've got our, our state law is what we're going to follow. The NCAA is just going to have to decide, are you going to fight that battle? Like, are you going to punish Texas A&M if they keep blatantly disregarding your rules? In which case, Texas A&M is going to say, well, then we're, we're going to sue you and we're going to go to court and we're probably going to win because we probably have better and more resources than you do, despite being the NCAA. We're Texas A&M. We've got the oil money. We're a cult. And we're, we'll take you to court about this stuff because we're not breaking any state laws. But I would hope that some common sense could win out where a judge would say, yeah, we get it that your state laws allow you to do this, but you have agreed to play by the NCAA's rules. You're breaking said NCAA rules. The NCAA is entitled to punish you as they see fit within their rules. And the NCAA followed up saying that, Roush, saying nobody's twisting your arm making you be a part of this organization. If Texas A&M wants to operate outside of Division I NCAA athletics, feel free and do whatever you want at that point. But if you want to play in our club, you need to follow our rules. And you're right. Texas A&M came back and said, no, 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 we're not. So the NCAA will have to come down hard on A&M and places like A&M that are deliberately and intentionally breaking the NCAA's nil rules. I just don't think they're going to do it. So if they don't do it, I think the NCAA could come together and say, hey, here's our rules. We're not going to punish you if you don't want to follow them. You just can't be in. Like, you're just – and what will happen is something that I think – that I've talked about for a while – I think you're going to get conference breakoffs from the NCAA, where conferences individually will make their own rules, say, we are now the governing body for our conference. We'll get our state legislators on the same page, and we will punish said schools through our conference if you break our own rules. And you'll get a certain set of rules for the Big Ten. You'll get a certain set of rules for the SEC. Big 12, and at some point they may kind of become uniform or they may settle on what works and this will be the system that we're going to use. But that's the next step if people just disregard the NCAA. And then the NCAA, will it cease to exist in the capacity that we know it? Yes, but in terms of just like banishing from the earth, probably not. It'll still exist in some capacity. Maybe they're the, maybe they're the organization that puts on the NCAA basketball tournament. But it's just that. It's just the tournament. What happens in the regular season is governed by the individual conferences. Or maybe you get a new, a new league that just focuses on college basketball. Because college football has been, been running mostly independently from the NCAA for years now. And it's doing just fine. So maybe you'd have something similar in basketball. It's fascinating, though. And it's fascinating that the NCAA came back. And I don't blame them for this. I, for coming out and saying, like, you all, you have agreed to these rules. You have made these rules. You are the NCAA. We are intertwined here. And now you're just basically turning your back on the same rules that you have implemented as an organization. You need to follow them. And then Texas is basically just saying, no, no, we've got our state laws. We're going to follow our state laws. Y'all can suck it. Do something about it. And either the NCAA will do something about it or it's an unserious organization. Some people already think that it is and it'll cease to exist. One of those two options, though. And Roush, fascinated to see how it plays out. It, we're kind of in a easier spot here. Scoots is in a similar boat. Uh, Indiana has the safety of the Big Ten. Big Ten ain't going nowhere. Kentucky has the safety of the SEC. The SEC ain't going nowhere. So how it all shakes out, 
Kentucky and Indiana are represented fan bases and programs on Kentucky Roll Call, we're safe. Woo-hoo! Now, it doesn't mean that the NCAA may not end up in shambles and this new future isn't as fun or isn't as exciting. Maybe so. I don't know. Can't predict the future. All I do know is that the SEC and the Big Ten, whatever ends up happening moving forward, they're going to be the movers and they're going to be the shakers and they're going to be ones deciding the future of college athletics. I'm glad to be in a good group of company. I'm glad to be with the movers and shakers instead of just with the the pieces that are just going to settle where they may. Once the dust settles, they'll just hope for a good opportunity because that's where Louisville's at, unfortunately. But hey, Adidas money, you know, right? Three stripe life. That should that should help, shouldn't it? Three Scoots, what, what do you think? What do you think should happen? Do you like? We what? know you hate change, so I want to hear the Scoots big picture takes on this. Well, should I mean, teams just be like, should teams just fall in line and say, listen, we got to have some rules, and we need the NCAA to enforce them. So if they're breaking them, we need to support their punishment of other schools because that's the only way we're going to have any organization here. Or do you think it's time for a separation? I just honestly hate that we're just now having this discussion because this was something we talked about before Neil was even introduced. The fact that this type of shady stuff can happen and there's going to be workarounds and loopholes and and schools are going to find them. But how's the NCAA going to punish them? And they didn't have those answers and they still don't have those answers. So the fact that we're, what, two maybe three years into nil now, and they're just now getting to this, like, hey, how we, we need to slow this down. Just It's annoying. It really is just super annoying. Just be good at your job to start with, you know? It's a good suggestion. Well, that's 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 never been a strength of the NCAA. Oh, and, and, and we all and know you're, that. You're right, and everybody talked about that. Like, hey, you got to get on board. You got to get on board. And the NCAA is to be blamed for getting dragged to the finish line basically with everything that's changed in a major way. The revolution of the NCAA over the last decade, they've had to be dragged everywhere across where if Mark Emmert had an entire adult human brain instead of whatever pea-sized, half-sized brain he's got in his head, could have been at the forefront of it. And he could have just said, we want to work with state legislators, the federal government, whoever. We hear you all. We know that you all want some changes. Let's figure it out. Let's have a summit. Let's get all the presidents together. Let's get this worked out. But instead, every step of the way, Emmert tried to put his head in the sand, act like it wasn't happening, basically had a sentiment that while I do agree with, it's probably not the most accommodating. He basically said, well, we've got our rules and you guys are going to follow them. And more and more teams just didn't and they didn't and they didn't. And the NCAA tried to keep up with punishments, but eventually it got to be so many schools were cheating that they couldn't keep up with punishments. So they had to make this new organization, the IARP, to come up with a a govern basically a punishment governing body where they could punish people. And they got to a point where they're just like, yeah, we don't think we're going to punish people either. This is just too much. If we punished everybody, then you're going to have dozens of athletic programs that are going to be crippled and in and, and a tough spot. So we're not doing this either. And then the NCAA said, well, you know what? The IRP kind of stinks too. We're going to get rid of that. Never mind. They've just been a disaster. Scoots, you're spot on. They could have been ahead of all of this and they're just getting dragged along. And this is the next point where they're getting dragged along. And they have, at least for a moment, regained momentum, tried to put their foot back in the sand and said, hold on, hold on, stop dragging us. We need you all to follow our rules one more time. They're going to keep getting dragged, most likely. But I at least can see where they're coming from. You, you, 
everybody agrees to the rules. You want everybody to follow them. When people don't follow them, I understand why that could make you upset as an organization and more importantly, member other member organizations that do follow the rules. The issue is if everybody wants, if majority wants the rules changed or even some wants the rules changed, you need to hear them out and you need to see if you can come up with a compromise and come up with something that everybody will agree with. And if not, you need to punish. You need to punish hard. Tell Texas A&M they, they, you know, they're, you're taking down their scholarship numbers down. You're taking away 15, 20 football scholarships from them. That'll send a pretty powerful message. Well, but they're not going to do it, Roush. My, my question, what do you think is um, an easier fix in their minds? Would it be easier for these big schools to form a coalition to get the rules changed or to form a coalition and just say, suck it, NCAA, we're out of here? Um, that's a great it's a I, that's a great question it's a great question it, and it's one that like basically the ball would be in the NCAA's court here like do you all want to change and basically give in to the richest biggest name programs that want this because it's a benefit for them or do you want uniform rules that you're right that like what 400 athletic programs have to agree to do you want the do you want quality or quantity? Do you want the quality of your organization to be happy and make the rules, or do you want the quantity of the organization to make the rules and be happy? And there's your answer. And if you go with the quantity, then the Big Ten and the SEC are saying, "Adios, we're doing our own thing." And other big, you know, the Power Five may follow. If See, you, it's it, I don't know. It's fascinating. Though. The 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 only reason why, and I think this is the biggest reason why people have always had that long state need take. It isn't just because the NCAA was slow to get in front of any of this stuff, but college football is what drives the sport. Right? It's what drives realignment. NCAA doesn't have anything to do with college football. They have set rules for it, but they don't crown a champion. That's the college fo- football playoff committee. They're separate, and I think that's why. Uh, we we've just had that sort of long, long-standing belief that um, you know it's the NCAA like the, the breakoff is going to happen. It's going to happen eventually, but just because college football is the sports driver and the NCAA doesn't even crown that champion, it was the AP forever. Then it became the BCS, and now it's its own entity in the College Football Playoff Committee. So I, I don't know what that timetable would be, but um, I do. I do. I don't want to say sympathize for Charlie Baker, but like, it's kind of tough to walk into the situation he walked into. I mean, what? How's he going to save it? You know. (laughs) But he he does have a more political background, which is interesting. Maybe that's how he saves it: is kind of doing, getting all the politicians to agree. Like, hey, this is going to be the uniform nil rules for college athletics. Maybe. You're talking about the guy taking over for Emmert, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from Massachusetts. Yeah, it's just pretty crazy. Like uh, it's it's wild walking time. into a buzzsaw. Yeah. And, and I love it. I love it when the NCAA kind of just barks. Everybody always just like throws rocks at the NCAA, and every so often it'll just come back and be like, "Hey, quit that!" And then everybody stops and is like, "Wait a minute! Oh, whoa! It talked! It talked!" And then it normally, if history tells us anything, everybody just instantly starts pummeling rocks back at it again. So. Um, right now we're in that, whoa, the NCAA said something. A&M's already thrown a rock back, but they never stop. They're a catapult of just launching rocks at the NCAA. Everybody else, like me, is just like, wait, okay, hold on, hold on. We got something interesting here. 
uh, it'll probably be more rocks being thrown back at the NCAA later today, the more people digest this and take into consideration. But if you want an organization to exist, it needs to have rules. And to have rules, it needs to be followed by the members of the organization. It puts the NCAA in a tricky spot. But they're not going to do anything about it, is my guess. Hour one's done. Hour two, we'll get to the Thornton's text line. There's still maybe some fo- there's some football stuff to chat about. Uh, we can get into some basketball leftover from Trey Mitchell commitment. It'll be a fun second hour. Don't go anywhere. This is KRC on the Big X. Bro, DJ Walker. Okay. It's like that and like this and like that and uh, it's like this. And who gives a f- So just chill to the next episode. Over? You say over? I ain't heard no family! Welcome back for hour two of Kentucky Roll Call. Nothing is over until we decide it is! With Walker and Roush. We're just getting started, bro. Welcome back, hour number two, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen. Fun first hour. We're going to spend the second hour with a lot of text messages into the Thornton's text line, whatever else you all have on your mind. Roush or Scoots, anything that you all are pressing to, to get to on today's show? I'm good. Uh, pre- uh, pressing. Uh, Diamond Press, one, two, one, one. Not a fan. Oh. I like it better than a two, two, one. You just got to get to the, you just got to get to the middle of that and you're, you're, you're Gucci. You're good. Yeah, at least with the the diamond though, it it it's it's a little bit more of a challenge to get to the middle than a two two one. I feel like two two one. There's a lot of there's a lot of easy real estate there. A lot, a lot. Do, I'd agree. Do you with know you what? There. Do you know what's happening two weeks from today, TJ? United States Kentucky Wildcats basketball. Yeah, can you believe that? It's only two weeks away. Good. <laughs> only two weeks away. Uh, I, I appreciated Kentucky tweeted out some uh, photos from the Joe Craft Center. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time we've seen Antonio Reeves back on campus in a jersey. And it just whew, got to exhale a little bit. I agree. As far as I was concerned, that was like the only confirmation that UK has ever that uh, they, they've made any, any right. sort of statement with Reeves. And that was it. The picture. The We're the other our fan base for content from our favorite basketball team that people travel all over the world to go watch, and like they send out a couple of tweets of pictures and everybody's like, "Yes, we got something." It's uh, so annoying. Uh, the uh, the other thing I realized when they were tweeting out those pictures is I have no idea who any of these guys are. Um, you'd think you know we got two weeks until a play that we might you know, at least have some rosters online. Like, oh, that's what Justin Edwards looks like. That's the number he's going to wear. Rob Dillingham. Like, I know the names. I've talked about them. But, like, we don't – there hasn't been any media ops where we've been able to hear from them. I just – I don't – I need to learn who these guys are before they play, and I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, UK Athletics, update your roster on the website. Is that asking too much? I mean, that's like the very bare minimum. The answer um, to any question with UK basketball in terms of their like admin, if you're 
the if you're asking is this too much the answer is almost always yes like well but, well, but are they doing unless you ask the question are they doing too much and then the answer is no of course they are not no right 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 but like updated roster so we know the numbers that would be cool like severe wheeler is still on ukathletics.com roster I, I did enjoy the pictures, though. I just, like, you know, okay. that can be such like a, whoa, there's that player that we weren't sure if they were going to be playing or not, but we think that they are, and now you finally have shown him in a picture. But they couldn't have, like, released a statement anywhere along the way. Like, Reeves is back. Be nice. Be real nice, Car. Um, but, yeah, I, I just uh, – two weeks away seems very soon – there's going to be, you know, like I said, holiday weekend coming up. And then I think the coaches are going to be at the Peach Jam afterwards. Like, the, I think the Peach Jam might be next weekend, if I'm not mistaken, the 6th through the 9th. So, like, there's not a whole lot of time to do the sort of fun summer stuff where you get to know the players and they play. It's just, it's, it's really just going to be their play. Uh, it's going it's to pop up on us. Yeah. Yep, uh, I'm excited though. It'd be great to have basketball. It'll be great to see some of these freshmen. Uh, be cool to see Trey Mitchell in a USA UK jersey. They'll be wearing USA stuff. Uh, Baylor had kind of their own little spin on it. I think UK can do something similar. We'll see what they end up with from a jersey department. It'll be fun. It's going to be much tougher competition. I'd almost guarantee UK is going to lose some games, maybe all their games potentially. Um, really won't be about the winning and losing necessarily, but how are they going to look? How are they going to handle some pressure? How are they going to handle defense? How's the spacing on the floor going to look? Um, I'm, I, I, and it's summer, so we're desperate for just any content. The fact we're going to get actual basketball with this basketball team that's had the most roller coaster offseason in the Calipari era, we're going to get to watch them hoop it up against a really good competition in just two weeks. So it'll be great. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Have no idea what to expect, but nope. <laughs> that's what makes we, it even all that much more fun. Uh, and we don't know how they're. they're I'm assuming they're going to be televised, but like I don't. I, I could very well see this be something that we have to jump through quite a few hoops to to be able to watch. Yeah. Um, switching gears, did you all see Otani's night last night for the Angels? Sheesh! What a monster! Uh, what a monster! You'd have to probably consider him maybe the best athlete in sports right now. Maybe. He didn't see it. He pitched, struck out 10 batters. As a batter himself, he had two home runs. <laughs> I mean, this is like stuff Babe Ruth wouldn't even dream of back in his prime. People forget when the Red Sox traded him, it was mostly as a pitcher. He did bat, obviously. Yeah, but pretty. just free. Pretty wild. Don't they stink too. Uh, They've actually yeah, been good oh, yeah. lately. They have been good lately. Correct. Yeah, that's good. I think Spears was talking about it, Scoots, where he was saying that like the Angels don't need to be good because they still sell tickets and they still sell gear, all his stuff. So like they're they're making they're doing just fine. Well, it's his, his overall point. And it's not only Otani. They got Mike Trout, too. I mean, they have arguably two of the top three yeah. baseball players in the world right now on their same team, and they're not great. They're okay. They're not great. They're 44 and 37. 
Yeah. Second place in the West. Yeah, it's not too shabby. That's not um, too shabby. The Reds won last night. As Scoots kind of mentioned it. He couldn't stay up for it, but they're back in first place. Woohoo! Yeah. The um, the thing I learned about Otani this week, too, and I think I had known this previously, but uh, he's in a contract here this year. So, uh, what what's the richest baseball contract ever? And what's uh, what like what, what do you think is the max that a player can get because well, didn't we have some 750 million dollar men there for a while so couldn't could we get to a billion could we get to a billion with Shohei Otani Mike Trout was 426 million over 12 years didn't Aaron Judge just get a gnarly deal too uh he yeah it was only 360 million oh okay though. Only wow, pathetic! What a, what a yeah, loser! Yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously. it's embarrassing. Complete, complete loser. Um, wow. but yeah, I mean, he's got to be at least worth five hundred million if you're Otani, right? Yeah, half a billion deal. Oh my yeah. gosh, just to play baseball. Although at least he he does both of he does both the sides of the baseball. It's not like you're paying a starting pitcher to only play you know once every five days or whatever it might be. But um, I'm um. I'm, I, yeah, I'm fascinated. And, like, also, which teams can even afford Shohei Otani? Um, Saudi Arabia just creates a new baseball league and pays him $2 billion to be part of it. Um, so, uh, the list I pulled up, too, it wasn't contract extensions where the player didn't become a free agent. So, Mike Trout signed a $426.5 million extension with the Angels in 2019. Wow, that's crazy. I almost said that two minutes ago. Oh, I mean, but was that the exact number? I did say the exact number. Oh, wow. Otani's worth more, though. <laughs> I think that's that's certain. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, uh, and that's a good gosh. point. How many teams could even, could even afford them? But uh, there's your baseball update from Kentucky Roll Call. We're going to head on over to the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Real quick, not to change the subject too much, but have you all seen the air quality number for today? Is it bad? 175. What does that What does that mean? That's, you gotta, the, I think, what, that is a number. I think the what? highest I've ever seen is maybe, I think yesterday it was 155, and it was pretty hazy and gross out yesterday. So it's going to be worse See, than that. First off, I disagree. Yesterday was pleasant. The breeze was blowing. Um, but like... <laughs> What is a normal air quality? Like, uh, I, uh, you need to make, like, like is 100 hot? Is it hot? Like, I, I need I need some, some uh, uh, a range here to work with. Yeah, give me a range. They are typically under 100. Anywhere from 0 to 100. Anything over 100 gets a little sketchy for sensitive groups. But they're saying yeah. at, when it's at 175 like this, it could be unhealthy for all groups. So, something to watch so, out for. Do you, do we know why the air quality is bad? Uh, the Canadian um, wildfires. Yeah, damn it, Canada. Wa- Canada. Yep. We need Blame to send Canada. Yeah, Blame send Mrs. Canada. Carmen up there. She'll send, get them straight now. Send a couple fire extinguishers with the basket cats when they go. I um, I found out that my neighbor he that's his job. He he's a uh, uh, not a fire extinguisher guy, but he is a part of helicopter crews that fight wildfires. Which is pretty. That's pretty cool. Did not expect that uh, from the guy that lives down the street, but yeah, pretty crazy. That is pretty, that is pretty cool. Uh, all right, well, so scoots. So don't 
go don't breathe the air if we go outside is what you're saying no, i'm just saying use use caution if you want to break your mask back out probably wouldn't be the worst idea are we sure that masks work for that? <laughs> Text on in 502-414-1450. Uh, there is news coming out from Ryan Russillo that Villanova's coach Kyle Neptune was trashing Cam Cam Whitmore. Yeah, um, wasn't speaking highly of him in the pre-draft process. Like even telling teams not to draft him. It's a bold, bold move. Yeah, that dude is... Bold move, Kyle bold Neptune. Man. Sinking ship. It's the old Jim Beheim. Hey, he turned it turned out okay for Jim Beheim. He coached for ninety years. A texture on the Thornton's text line says, "Uh, the the defense hasn't been great the last couple of years, but that's the area I trust Cal the most. A lot of it will come down to how good DJ Edwards and Uganda are on that side of the ball. Our teams tend to get a lot better defensively throughout the year, especially when they're freshman heavy." That's a good point. Um, I, really, I really like the tenacity that DJ Edwards has. Um, I hope it doesn't put him in foul trouble too much being overly aggressive. Uh, and I don't know, Reed Shepard doesn't get involved in a lot of these conversations, but I at least appreciate that while his lateral quickness might not be the um, be able to cover the elite of the elite, like he is a tactical defender in that, He's a risk taker that is smart enough to know when he can go for a steal or when he needs to just kind of back out. So, like, I, I think my overall point is, is I kind of agree with you. I just, I don't, it does come back to, like, I, I don't know how good of a defender Trey Mitchell is going to be for Kentucky. And uh, it goes back to my Samto Sarrell, he'll get blown over with the wind take that I, I, I have a feeling this team's going to struggle with physicality in the front court. And so how well can you defend um, your classic Mississippi State teams? I don't I haven't done my due diligence, TJ, on rosters around the Southeastern Conference, but I have a feeling there's going to be a, a few physical teams in conference play that the Cats are going to struggle with on the inside. Yeah, it, it, how would how would this team guard or defend an Oscar Shibway type? Uh, you're not going to find necessarily another rebounder like him in the SEC, but SEC, you're right, is full of players. I mean, just think how physical that A&M game was last year, it, and that wasn't the only one. Think how physical the Tennessee games were as well. You're going to face players that are just going to throw elbows down in the paint, that are going to push, shove, get away with a lot. Is Uganda going to be able to keep up with that? And even if he can't from a physical standpoint, is his length and timing with shot blocking good enough that it can make up for it? Anthony Davis was a – String Bean. He was tiny. He would get pushed around. He did get pushed around. Festus Azili at times would kind of eat his lunch, but he was such a good shot blocker. He was so good with his timing. He said, you can kind of get me buried wherever you need on the court, but eventually you got to put that ball up. And unless you just have the rim blocking me entirely, I'm going to be able to get up with you when you eventually get wherever you want on the court, but I'm going to block your shot when you eventually try to put it into the basket. Uganda Kingsley doesn't need to be Anthony Davis good, but you if you're going to get pushed around, you got to make up for it somehow. And you would hope it could be with his shot blocking. Correct. We'll see. And, and that's, that's the thing is kind of you know, what you're banking on. You're you you got to have it pretty much. Yeah. He put on some weight. Maybe he won't get pushed around as easily. But Hunter Dickinson basically got wherever he wanted on the floor. And Hunter Dickinson last year in that Michigan game, he was smart enough to kind of 
be patient with the shot blocking. His timing was better than Uganda's timing was when they were rarely matched up in that game. But that's going to be your competition. If you're going to be a starting five on a top 15 team in the country, you're playing Kansas in game two of the season, game three of the season, whenever that may be. Uh, they're going to announce the SEC, ACC. Matt, it was the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Now it's the ACC, AC, SEC, ACC, I don't know, whatever word they're going to use. Battle, challenge, fist fight, whatever you want to call it. They're supposedly going to release those matchups today. Uh, Daniel Hagar from Kentucky Sports Radio, he thinks that it's or Hager. I mean, I'm pronouncing it probably wrong. Uh, he thinks that it's going to be Duke visiting Rupp Arena for that matchup, which would Ooh, just be that'd be fun. In the span of a couple weeks, you would have Gonzaga coming to Rupp. You would have Duke coming to Rupp. I think there's one more decent name that's not U of L, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, that'd be a pretty impressive stretch there. You're you're going to get that, but point. Getting back to the point, you got a Kingsley on Yenzo. We're going to find out early on if he's up to snuff. No, you're you're exactly right. Um, and I don't I don't think we'll know one way or another, but we'll get at least a better idea here in a couple of weeks when the team is playing uh, the Globo Gym Purple Cobras. That's a good point, too. Maybe we don't even have to wait till the season. Yeah, if he just goes out there and gets, like, abused and pushed around and he can't block shots, that's going to be – it's going to be interesting. By the way, Jack Pilgrim reports that Chuck Martin is going to be the last assistant for UK. I'm not sure if you're crazy about it, not crazy about it, not sure if you have a take or don't have a take. I don't I, – I, Um. There's a Chuck Martin that coaches Miami, Ohio football. Um, I don't know as much about this Chuck Martin. Although, I just a brief look at the resume. So he did Oregon. He was with Frank Martin's staff at South Carolina for five or six years. Um, is, it, is it bad that I worry that he worked with Cal before and that this is another one of Cal's guys? Because he was on the staff for Cal's final two Memphis teams. I, I worry uh, about just another good old boy joining the staff that will just be another Cal Yesman. But I don't, I don't want to rush to judgment too quickly. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's that's fair. It is one of it is one of Cal's guys. Um, I, I don't, I don't care if it's one of Cal's guys. Don't care if it's not. I hope this guy can coach basketball. I hope he's good at player relationships. I hope player development. You know, he takes that seriously. And I hope he can kind of keep the other assistants. I think the assistant coaches need a leader assistant. And that's for many years kind of what Robic was. And then even when he moved out of the assistant recruiting spot, still was kind of, hey, other assistant coaches, here's what Cal's looking for. And I'm going to keep on you about it. Cal needs an assistant coach that's going to kind of be on his assistants more. I think Antigua... And Chin, I think they do some valuable, valuable, valuable stuff in recruiting. And I think they're probably better in practice coaches or just one-on-one -on -one coaches with the players than they get credit for. But I also think that they don't keep up with the day-to-day -day that they need to, um, just from some of the things that I've heard. 
So if Chuck Martin is going to be the last coach, and I think that he will be, uh, I don't care if he's Cal's buddy or not. Just make sure the other assistants are doing the day-to-day stuff that you can, uh, that they're supposed to be doing, and you can keep up with it. I'm fine with it. He, he's, he's been on some list of top assistants in college basketball. I, his, his resume doesn't really scream overly impressive to me, um, but he has coached at major programs all over the country. He should have connections. I can't imagine a, a hire like this would do anything but help recruiting, but what it does in terms of player development, practice stuff, I have no, I have no idea, no clue. Your guess would be just as good as mine. Right, right, and, and we also don't know. There's like three recruiting roles, and there's two non-recruiting roles. We don't know where he'll fit in in that mold either. Um, still trying to figure that out. Um, but hey, at least they've got an assistant coach, right? Like that's. <laughs> I yeah, feel like that vacancy's a- been open forever. Whole another question is why did it take so long to hire Chuck Martin? What what was Chuck Martin doing two months ago? What was Chuck Martin doing a month and a half ago? Somebody tell me that. I I don't know, but it I I don't care, and we don't know. I, I just want to stop. Honestly, I want to get to a point where I just don't even really like care or recognize the assistance because UK is winning so much it just doesn't matter. Because I just the er, the beginning era of the Calipari, the beginning era of the Calipari era. The beginning years of the Calipari era, I, I obviously everybody knew who the assistants were. If you were keeping up with it, if you weren't, then you didn't, and it was no big deal. It was just no big deal. It didn't matter. Like nobody talked about the assistants at all, and mainly mm-hmm. because UK was winning at such a high clip. I don't even know when we probably didn't even start getting into assistant conversations till Antigua left the first time. Yeah, and then yeah. but even then things were so good that you didn't you didn't really care. And then you didn't really talk about it again until recruiting took like the slightest little dip. And then people started to freak out. I want to get to a point, Rash, where you just don't even care about the assistance. That would be nice. That would be nice. But um, But when things are wrong, people just always have to find stuff to blame. So like, okay, UK is not winning at the level I like. Recruiting's taking a little dip. Boom, assistance. Okay, UK is not winning at the level I like. Recruiting's better. Boom, head coach. Like, you know, I just, when you're losing, you just got to find a boogeyman and it has been assistance for UK at times. I don't want it. I don't want that to be the case anymore. I don't even want to care about them because the regular fan doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Um, we need to get to one final break TJ before we wrap up the Thornton's text line, get to a few other topics, but before we do, I did want to, uh, send our condolences to the family of Ryan Mallett, former Arkansas quarterback. That's been a handful of years. In the NFL with Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens, among others. But um, he passed away yesterday at 35 in what appears to be a drowning accident in Florida. Um, He was coaching high school football down there. Just really sad, horrible news. Um, And and in the wake of it, though, TJ, we've got to – there's been a lot of people tweeting kind of classic Arkansas clips from the one year that they got rocking and rolling with Bobby Petrino. And, um, man, that – People forget, too, before that all came crashing down with the quote-unquote motorcycle wreck, how much fun that that, that Arkansas team was was good. <laughs> they, they were really good. And uh, a lot of it was in, in, thanks to Ryan Mallett just, just being a badass and uh, letting it rip. Um, those teams were a lot of fun for the Razorbacks back in. I want to say, what is that, 2012? Something like oh, that? I, I didn't think it was that late. 
Uh, man, um, yeah, I'm going to – something like that, though. I thought it was before that, but you could be right. Did they go to the Sugar Bowl? It would have been before. Yeah, there was a – 2011 been, Sugar Bowl. Would have been before – so, if he's 35, it would have been before 12. So, so 2010. 2010 season. Yeah. That, that makes more sense. I remember where I watched that Sugar Bowl. I was at Fox and the Hound near Oxmore. I thought Ryan Mallett, just, he was such a fun college player to watch. I thought for sure just with that arm he was going to be – he was going to find success in the NFL. And, and and he bounced around. It never ended up coming to fruition. But he was a lot of fun to watch. It's horribly sad and cre- way, way too young. And mm-hmm. there's some secondhand reports that it was like a double red flag day at the beach and he kind of got swept out uh, unintentionally. It's just a, another reminder that the ocean is incredibly dangerous. Uh, bodies of water are really, really dangerous. You really need to be careful, but uh, it, it's, it's horrible. Way too young and was a joy to watch in college. He, kinda, he played that bad boy role in college really well, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, my uncle Oscar, he likes to say he, he gets credit for giving Petrino all of his quarterbacks uh, because Brian – and then uh, he gave Mrs. Mallett some advice um oh. that he yeah that he should that Ryan like if Ryan, if you want your son to be a good quarterback you got to play for that guy um and I forgot who the other one is I guess it would have been Dowdy at Western Kentucky that Oscar took credit for but so uh the Mallets and Petrino they all their success to Oscar Brown you heard it here first but we are thinking of the Mallet family yeah. horribly yeah. sad we'll come yeah. back one final segment we'll finish up the Thornton's text line on your Wednesday edition of Kentucky Roll Call on Big Exports Radio Roll the hibbit, the hibbit of a hip, hip hopper, you don't stop. But rock it out, baby, bubble to the boogity bang, bang, the boogie to the boogity beat. I say I can't wait to the end of the week when I rap it to the rhythm of a groovy beat and attempt to raise your body heat. I just blow your mind so where that you can't speak and do a thing. But a rock can shuffle your feet and let it change up to a dance called the freak. And when you finally do come into your rhythmic beat, Welcome back to Kentucky Roll Call. You had you had wives and girlfriends thinking things similar to what their husbands and boyfriends were thinking. It was just so it was it was weird. You had butt cleavage. Too much butt cleavage. Welcome back. One final segment, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio. FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, Justin Kalen. We got a lot of text to get to, but Roush is going to tell you about ShadyRays.com. Well, uh, the air quality might be low, but the sunglass quality is always high at Shady Rays. That's right. No matter what you're doing, you need a nice pair of polarized lenses from Shady Rays, and you're not going to pay... The big bucks that you'll spend elsewhere, especially when you use the promo code Big X for 25% off at checkout. Shady Rays, uh, look good, feel good, play good. They got you covered. And if you lose them and go uncovered, they got a replacement pair promise. Shady Rays, they're simply the best sunglass company you'll ever, ever, ever be with. Check them out today, ShadyRays.com. Come on. Wow, good job. Good job, Roush, and cameos there from Scoots. Those were uh, great cameos. Rays. Sounded just like ShadyRays.com, and don't forget that promo code. Wow, uh, uh, the Thorns text line really coming for Scoots and his integrity. Oh, wow. Let's read it. 
Sometimes it feels like Scoots just has takes for the sake of having a take. Wow, they're saying your takes aren't real. What what did I have what did I have a take about this time just to have a take? Please, please fill me in. Your schedule take of well, just why are you so scared was a pretty bad take. I mean, I'm just no, I'm just I'm tired of hearing about it. Like it just just be the be like the rest of us, you know? Play nine games, play twenty conference games. Why don't you not? Is it possible for just people to not worry about UK's scheduling or UK scheduling? This isn't Kentucky. This is just every conference as a whole should be playing the same thing, right? I mean, and we were talking about it yesterday. I, I heard it on the replay, TJ, when we were talking about it. Just because you're playing nine conference games does not mean that you have to lose the Louisville game, right? I mean, you you can drop one of those cupcake Alcorn State instead, you know? That's probably not going to happen though. As we but why? Scooch, you got to think would... about the the you got to think about the uh, the student athlete's body, and you know you're you're taking on. I'm I'm being facetious about that, but <laughs> it is they're just they're they're probably not going to want to play ten power yeah. five teams in a, in a twelve game season when so, you don't ha- when you don't have to. Louisville wants to play that game because if you look so like if you look at just power ratings on the schedules of each team, Kentucky will be uh, the second or third toughest team that Louisville plays this year. Uh, Louisville will be the sixth, I believe. Um, but eight of the teams they play are that seems generous, me, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But seven of the teams they play uh, are in the top forty, um, and six of them are in the top twenty-five. Like they have six top twenty-five teams on their schedule, twice as many as Louisville. Like they they just play a tougher schedule. So like you're not going to just you know unnecessarily. Um, make the burden more difficult on you than what you need. And there was a point, Spencer Hall, who does a lot of work for ESPN. Uh, he also does the show Thinking Out Loud on the SEC Network. He he had a, a great quote the other day with uh, on Cole Kublik's morning show with Greg McElroy. It was like, I love Kentucky. I, I love the way they do things. They're fundamentally solid. They're mean. They're nasty. But it's all about who you play. And this year... They play a Florida team that won't under, overlook them. They got to go uh, on the road to an improved Vanderbilt team. Um, oh, yeah, and they have to play Georgia and Alabama. Like, Kentucky is a prisoner of its schedule in the SEC. So, like, why would you make life harder for yourself than what you need to be? I get it, I guess. Oh, Scooch, no. Come on, you, you, you had a take and – you were revved up, ready to go, and yeah, the went longer respond. than you're anticipating, and you put your tail between your legs. Come on. Bro. No, I mean, because there's we get in these situations and these discussions all the time, and it's when it's you two on one side versus me, and there's just no change in your all's minds. No, but I want to I want to know your rebuttal to that, Scoots. Well, like you never you, know unless you try, buddy. My yeah, I, I just, my yeah, rebuttal my rebuttal was what I said yesterday that you called a wrestling promo, which was actually really funny. But, I mean, if, if you want to be the best, you have to play the best, and you have to beat the best. I, I, I am, I'm of the mindset, I don't like these cupcake games, whether it's football, whether it's basketball. And I understand it from a small college perspective. They have to have those games to get some money in for their athletic programs. I understand all that. I just, I, I wish we didn't play those games, you know? Like, let, let Alcorn State and Appalachian State play each other. Like, why do they get to play the big boys? Yeah, you're right. You didn't change our mind. <laughs> 
See, I'm kidding. The, 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 I, I want to well, hold on real quick, Rash. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually all right. Like with you, that's a totally normal take to have. I just disagree with it. Um, but it, it's it's totally understandable. That is the other side of the argument, and a lot of people agree with you, Scoots. I just am not one of those people. For, so, I was more talking about your. I was more talking about your like inability to understand in the basketball schedule how you would probably have to lose an important game there. Like you, you quite literally, it just would happen. You'd lose one of those like middle of December but Saturday I, games. But I don't understand that either. About. It's like the Louisville thing. Why, why do you have to lose one of those tournaments? You can just drop a, a, a one of those crazy small schools, you know? So because a conference game is either a built-in home or away game, mm-hmm. and if it's a built-in away game, that's taking away probably, I mean, game. it's taking away quite literally a cupcake home game. So you may have to say, we can't do the Champions Classic. We need something for our home fans. Uh, Like, there are reasons that exist besides just like, oh, you're chicken. Yeah, I I think in basketball, it is more about, like, actually structuring a balanced schedule. Like, there's, there's like, some logistical things. Whereas uh, in football, it's more of a, um, if you want to, like, football is more of a big picture thing where, um, right now, Scoots, teams like your final, you're judged based on your final record, right? So, like last season, if Kentucky would have finished, like the difference in seven and five and eight and four feels stark, you still wouldn't have felt great about either one because they underperform expectations. But, like, in this new SEC, fans are still going to want eight, nine win seasons. But it's going to be so much harder to do that if you've got nine conference games. So, like, basically, Scoots, you're asking, like, would you rather win, have an extra win? Like, would you rather almost guarantee an eight-win season versus a seven-win season? Does that matter to you all that much? Eight wins versus seven wins? Me, personally, no. Because my football team will never get the seven or eight. (laughs) And that's why I think it's hard for you to find yourself even in this situation. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. Yeah, you you like you've had like one good year as a Indiana football fan, and it was during the COVID season. But I mean, even if we're talking football or basketball, it doesn't matter. I said the same thing yesterday, and I'll say it again today. I would much rather have a competitive, fun game than a forty-point blowout. I just would. For the record, I don't want the UK U of L football game to go away. I, I hope it is always played, even when the SEC does go to nine games. Not if, but when. And I'll hope the UK will extend it. I just am of the belief of like, I totally will understand if they don't. I won't love it. And mainly it's just because I like once every two years being able to drive 15 minutes and go watch UK play a football game. It's a nice treat when the alternative is an hour and 20, not not including traffic there. So uh, that's really my selfish travel reasons more than any more than rivalry necessarily. Uh, but I hope it. I hope it gets played. But I also will totally be okay with UK's decision if they say, "Yeah, we we're we want easy wins," and U of L is not an easy win. Yeah, and I just also think that, like, I just I I I know the reality we're in, and I just uh, for you and I, TJ too. Uh, we grew up at the peak of the Battle of the Governors Cup, where it was kind of a coin toss. You didn't know who was going to win. You spent all summer arguing over it, and then they played on the first Labor Day Sunday. The, the game just meant a lot to us growing up, and I don't want it to go away. Um, 
It would be a little bit easier to cheer for old Uncle Uncle Brom if um, if Kentucky wasn't on the schedule, though. That would be oh my gosh! You'd have to take that pivot if the series was dropped for like a just, long period of time. Be like, just, well, they're not a threat. I can root for them. You just start wearing you about <laughs> stuff, going to the games. Oh, that would be really funny. Let's get back to this text line. Uh, we 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 end up spending too much time on some texts and not nearly enough time right, on right. others. But, you know, send in better texts, I suppose. Uh, a texter says, would be nice to have Sorrell, but he'd have basically zero impact on this year's team, in my opinion. I disagree. He'd be five fouls. That would be something at some point that would be important. And plus, you know UK's injury history lately? I, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if we aren't down three starters by Christmas. I would think that um, – I would think he would have more – like the question is more or less of an impact than Hugo last year, and I would say more. Unless Much the more. Chuck Martin hire br- brings in the Fali Dante, and then Cyrell, I won't. Cyrell, see ya. See ya, Cyrell. Um, I, I, I would want me in the Fali Dante. I don't think there's any. I don't think that's going to happen. Going to happen, yeah. But there's been a lot of Twitter whispers about it, so uh, I think it's just strictly that. But it's fun. It's fun to think about. If you do that, then that front court's just absolutely filthy. Uh, it doesn't matter. You, you know, you're not even playing a guessing game with Uganda at that point. He, if he would, if he is, and that's great. If he's not a great player, then no big deal because you'd have Dante at that point. But assuming that that is just the Twitter whispers, and I believe it is, uh, I yep. want me, I want, I want Cyrell. I think he'd be a nice, and plus, you know, develop him for the following season. Uh, another texture system, good stuff from Jack Pilgrim on the clutch Cal dynamic and why the Livingston situation could hurt them moving forward. Obviously, won't have much impact on the agency, but could be helpful to UK short term. Well, what, what, what is that? What? Uh, yeah, was, and I, I didn't. St- where did Jack say it? Was it in a post? Was it on the podcast? Let me know. Was, I, think, I didn't get to hear it. Yeah, uh, no, no offense to Jack. I, I don't. Um, I don't listen to a lot of uh, podcasts on the KSR airways because I, I do. Do a lot of UK content. I, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of other UK content. So if he said it on the podcast, share, share, and we can have takes on it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm just even trying to reread the text and figure out if we could get some like context clues. But, but it doesn't. Uh, it, it, it doesn't really. I mean, um, I, th- I think we know why it could hurt him moving forward. But how could it be helpful in the short term? That I don't know. Travis Graft had a very positive update on House of Blue. He does great work over at Cats Illustrated. He 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 feels good about Bradshaw playing, or at least he's hearing that Bradshaw has all intentions to play. It, he thinks all this stuff is completely ridiculous, and so it sounds good for. And that's where I, I that's where I fell in line. Like no inside info for me, but like I think the kid wanted to play. I don't think he's making all these Instagram comments if he's just totally BSing. Uh, Shaden Sharp wasn't doing that stuff. So at least he's doing it. He's going to get the surgery. It seems like it's more kind of precautionary just to make sure that it doesn't pop up during the season. And fine. If this is what it takes, then then so be it. So uh, it seems like good news. A weird stretch of good news for UK basketball. We're not sure what to do with it. <laughs> uh, hey, fellas. Brad from Bellbrook here with a hypothetical for your Wednesday. If we were able to able to either keep brad white liam cohen or the big dog for the next decade who would you keep might be a bit hot takey but i'm going with white i think he's a top five defense coordinator always gets the most out of his players offensive coordinators can sometimes be figured out after a couple seasons and i don't know how well vince would connect with kids in 10 years good question brad from bellbrook um 
Easy. I'll take it if you're thinking about it. And Scooch, you had something to say. Interrupt us if you if you do. I, I, I forgot at this point. I know you did, but just no, just interrupt us. Oh no, I, I remember what it was. I was curious. I was going to ask Roush. Do you are you expecting more out of Somto this year or Hugo? Because you said Somto is going to provide more than Hugo did last year, but are you are you thinking yeah. there's going to be a huge jump for you, Gunna? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, starter playing all the time. Yeah. I mean, just meant last year in that role of like yeah. ten minutes or whatever, or, you know, five minutes every in five games or whatever it was for him. Gotcha. You gonna be surprised with what you <laughs> see from Hugo. Uh, easy answer for me, Brad from Bellbrook. It'd be Liam Cohen. Just because, one, Stoops is going to be coaching the defense, so you feel good about assuming that you have Stoops in this hypothetical as well. You've got him to do coach the defense, and then he'll he'll find another great defensive mind to be the See, defensive coordinator. So that, Liam Cohen that, is like a special piece. I want to keep him in. It is only one year of success with Cohen, which is, you know, it could have been lucky. It could have been having Wandale Robinson, which probably played a huge role in that. A great offensive line that season as well. Uh, but I would take Cohen. The stability on offense, kids like him. They like the style. He can sell the pro aspect of all of it. I, I, Liam Cohen, for sure. Well, and you the, the part that – the crux of this is what's, what's, what's Stoops' track record on hiring defensive coordinators versus offensive coordinators? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like aside from DJ Elliott, uh, who, you know, was – that, that was early on as one of his guys from Florida State that came with, and I think that was his first experience as a defensive coordinator. He's done pretty good hiring those guys. Finding offensive coordinators a lot more difficult. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's where the answer is. Um, but I don't think – so that's what makes it fun about a hypothetical. Um, I think if you gave me the chances of who's most likely to be here 10 years from now, it probably would be Brad White as the head coach. Yeah, um, but if I were if I were gonna put my money on who's Kentucky's next head coach, if like I, it'd probably be Summerall. If, if I'd I love to, I'd love that. I would be totally cool with that. Especially like as like he played for Brooks, got to start with Brooks, having connections to both sides, and like the legit kind of recruiting chops. Like, yeah, here's I, what's I would, gonna happen though. I think he'd he, be the big. T- he'd be the odds-on favorite. I think starting off you're spot on and I, I would be the best hire in my opinion if you wanted to maybe like shoot one ring higher although probably unrealistic i don't even have a name that would come to mind right off the, the get-go um I, the concern is going to be he's going to get hired by a big school probably in the sec in the next two to three years correct so if his timeline doesn't match up with uk's timeline which hopefully you know we want soups to be around for as oh, long wow. as this gravy yeah. train is moving uh, it's probably not going to work out well from a timeline standpoint. And then say he were to go to an Ole Miss, say Kiffin ends up bouncing to go elsewhere or something like that mm-hmm. in the next few years. Would he leave Would he leave Ole Miss for Kentucky? Maybe. I don't think it's impossible, but I also don't think it's impossible he stays. Yeah, and a lot of it too, like we're going to see how this new SEC shakes out, like the, the sort of dynamics of it all. Um that that that's going to play a role in it. Like, how how do we view these jobs in the new SEC? Um, I'm not I'm not that that's going to play into it as well. But you're right. Like, if he has another good year at Troy this year, he's going to get a new job. Um, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if he ended up like going to the ACC for a few years and then coming back to the SEC. Yeah, 
like like being at one of those um, Carolina schools or something. I don't know. It need to be a spot that's easy to win because the ACC, some of those places just don't invest or care about football. They act like they do, but they really don't. And if he goes to the wrong spot that doesn't invest and he's just put in a bad spot to fail, well, maybe easier for Kentucky to get him instead of him going somewhere bigger. But just keep building Troy a winner until you get where you want in the SEC, if that's what he wants to do. Also comes down to money, too, obviously. Yeah, right, um, right. I'm just curious what SEC job's going to be the next to open because we're kind of new in some 10 years. Um, Sam Pittman feels a little secure right now. Auburn's the one that makes the most sense, but I think he's smart enough to know that, you know, like, man, do you really want to go there right now? Like, that, the comment around that job is crazy. So, yeah, if the new guy, Mississippi State, is just a total failure in a couple of years, that seems like that could be a, a spot to keep an eye on. Brian Kelly is, you know, he kind of seems like a doofus from time to time. Got to throw Drinkowitz in. Oh yeah, Drinkowitz. Gosh, oh, I would. I, cannot, I would, No, he couldn't no, go. To he, yeah, we can't. We can't have that. Um, God, you know, Trent, when Trevor joked about like A and M being a budding rivalry for UK and basketball, which is like they have fallen in line with other SEC schools. Like I, I don't like losing to them, but I don't like losing really to anybody. Uh, but they're a little annoying. But and they've only played once in football. But that has actually become a thing with Missouri. Like. They're they're dorks in football, and and UK should never lose to them. Oh, God, that would be tough. That would be, I would not. It has kind of turned into a little thing, though. Uh, Nick, that was John Stewart. One of his lines was, "Arby's isn't there anything else." His last episode, <laughs> they had an aide running six bags upstairs. Got to get them as a sponsor for Trevor. Stop hating, TJ. What am I hating on? Somebody said, "Do you know how Arby's got its name?" R roast B. Beef, RB, Arby's. Oh, that's cool. Very simple. TJ, love to see the basketball roster coming along, but do you see us adding another big? Seems like Somto is looking less and less likely. Also, why do people keep putting Justin Edwards at the four in their projections? I will wager a bet that he spends more of time at the two than he does at the four. If he's playing significant minutes at the four, we have major issues. Stay up, one. <laughs> Not sure how the sign off there, but. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. Gary Parrish had a lineup of like DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Antonio Reeves, and Justin Edwards, and Uganda Kingsley. Or no, I think he had Trey Mitchell at the five. It was the wildest lineup. It it almost makes you wonder if Gary Parrish even knows ball at all, as the kids would say. Um, he's not going to play the four. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like I'd be willing to, you know, see how it looked in a pinch if foul trouble is an issue, just to see how he how he operates, but no, it's not going to happen. He's going to play the three, and there's a natural mm -hmm. spot there. You're going to rotate Dillingham, Wagner, and Reeves, one through two. Edwards primarily at the three, and some of those guys can bleed over to the three. But your front court's mm -hmm. going to be those three guys, and and maybe a the arrow. He's more likely to play the four than – than, than, yeah. And how tall is Shepard? Because I saw him standing next to a the arrow, and the arrow had a good – Four inches, maybe. I mean, he looked, he looked like six lot, two. He looked a lot bigger. Okay, he's six two. I thought yeah. maybe he was I, six three, but um, that's yeah, my, so my estimation. But you, yeah. you could you could see a dude playing a little bit of four. Nick is spot on about Hardee's. When you're ordering off that menu, you think you're getting Liam Cohen. Then when you pull off and you open your bag, it's Rich Scangarello staring right back at you. Did you say that about Hardee's? It was about Arby's, but you know. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. I thought tomato, tomato. 
I like I like Arby's. So whoever said I was hating on Arby's, I'm not. I'm just saying oh, that the I, one. I'm, I'm hating on Arby's. I will hate them. Their mozzarella sticks are great, Roush, and you know how I feel about good mozzarella sticks. <laughs> yeah, if they got good mozzarella sticks, and TJ is customer for life. I've got a couple coupons your, here you can have. Oh, I love it. All right, what is your most favorite snack that you could snag from the pantry growing up? I was a big pop tart guy. Goldfish for really, me. I had one for the first time in a long time, but goldfish. Interesting. Oh yeah. I don't, you know, most of like Stouffer's mac and cheese, but you wouldn't really grab that from the pantry. That was the freezer from the, my mom would always have those little, uh, like soft donuts that are like as big as like when you touch your index finger to your thumb. Uh, but they're really like kind of doughy. That would probably be like the snack from the pantry we'd snack on growing up the most, but I didn't really love them. It was just something to eat. Speaking of video games, did TJ ever say what his brother did when TJ was winning a video game? I think I have, and we'll have to end the text line yeah, here. But I good news is, it's a it's a slow it's a slow sports time. We'll spend text. We'll spend time on these texts tomorrow. We'll start the show with it. We'll 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 do our introductions, and then we'll get right into it. Uh, and we'll we'll read them all. So we'll make them up. But what my brother would do is when we were playing video games, and I was winning, uh, he would be like, "Oh, what is that behind?" Is that kind of looks like a mouse or it'd just be whatever. He'd pick something random and then he'd go, go near the console, act like he was looking for something. And then he'd just unplug the console. So oh the game gosh. would go out. He'd be like, Oh, did I accidentally unplugged it? What? No. Oh, we don't, well, I guess we don't know who's going to win. And I'd be up like 31 to three or something like that. Uh, he'd do it all the time. He was a complete and, and total dork. All right, there's our show. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Ooh, Kentucky Trivia Roll Thursday Call. tomorrow. Get excited. Ooh, I'm excited. Now, if y'all want to party like we do, if y'all want to party like us,